joined us. So let me let me kick off. If that's uh, if that's cool with everybody, let me uh, pull up my screen real quick. Here. All right. All right. So we are. I am very very excited to introduce our uh, our speaker, guys. Um, his name is Keith Rosen. You all got his book uh, that got sent to you guys here in the last week. Uh, for those of you that don't know Keith, since 1989, Keith has been a globally recognized authority on sales and leadership and the pioneer of executive sales coaching. Um, he's written several bestseller books on time management, cold calling, closing the sale, including the book you have now, which is Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions. If that, by the way, was a winner of five international best book awards and the number one best-selling sales management book on Amazon since 2009. I did not know that. His recent book, he has a second book out called Sales Leadership. That was done in 2018, and uh, it was named the, uh, the 2018 Sales Leadership Book of the Year by Top Sales World and one of the best sales and leadership books of 2018 by Amazon. So Inc. Magazine uh, and Fast Company named Keith one of the five most influential executive coaches. He's been featured in Entrepreneur Inc., Fortune, The New York Times, Selling Power, CBS News, The Wall Street Journal, and is a frequent guest on Channel 12 News locally in New York. Keith was also featured. I want to hear about this, Keith, when we have you talk. He was also featured on the award-winning show Madness. I actually found it. So Keith's philosophy on developing high-performance teams is pretty simple, guys. Sales training does not develop sales champions. Managers do. So, you know, companies want to develop and retain top talent with more sales and maintain their competitive edge than first maker managers, world-class executive sales coaches. And Keith is going to share a little bit today uh, with us on that. He currently lives in New York with his wife and three children who uh, continue to be his greatest inspiration. I got to know Keith about five years ago. I, I pinged him, uh, read a couple of his blogs. Just uh, sometimes, you know, there's just certain people that just really resonate with you about how they talk about certain things around coaching or leadership. And, and with Keith, it just really resonated with me what, you know, what he had to say and how he went about thinking about things and how we could all benefit from this. Um, so anyway, we are excited to have him on today. Keith, are you out there? I am here. Can you hear me okay? Uh, I think you might mute in the bottom left-hand corner. There we go. That may be now? on mute. Can you hear me now? Hello, sir. All right. Good to see you guys. I, I should really know how to use it. I literally just spent four hours on Zoom, and now all of a sudden I'm having technical difficulties. So, so great to see everybody there. As you can see, does, does, does where I'm at, the office look familiar? Hopefully it should, right? It does. <laughs> Welcome to our call. We uh, pleasure. are extremely excited to have you on today, sir. Thank you. It's a real honor and a pleasure. And uh Looking forward to hearing some uh, some great thoughts from you. We had a few questions that uh, we had teed up for you. So I was going to ask you a few, and uh, also Elisa, one of our leaders who you met before, was going to ask you a few. And then we left it open up to the crowd for, uh, I'm sure they have maybe a few questions they might want to ask you, especially if some folks have read your book, they might have some questions out of that. But uh, super excited to have you on board today. So uh, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And of course, for everyone, just so you know, there's absolutely nothing you can't ask me. Okay, so I, I pride myself on full transparency. I actually spoke to a prospect last week and we we're in the middle of a conversation and they said, you know, Keith, I, I, I searched your name and um, is it true that in 1947 you were arrested for fraud? I'm like, I wasn't born in like, 
I'm really, do I look that old? And it's the wrong Keith Rosen. So people are constantly finding out stuff about me. I don't even know about myself. So, uh, but yes, please, please feel free to ask anything, anything that I can do today. This is your time, everyone. What I can do to contribute to you. Well, real quick, I want to hear about the Mad Men thing. I got to oh. ask you that. I, I I did not know that previously, but like, t tell tell us, sh share the share the backstory real quick, if you don't mind. My wife actually found literally the other day. She, we were cleaning, you know, pandemic. You start cleaning stuff out. It's amazing what you can find. So I actually found this. It's uh, it's season four in the box set, and okay, so on the back it has here. Uh, you know, separate excerpts from world-renowned thought leaders uh, on leadership and coaching. So basically what they did was, and I'm probably going to cut it up and put it online, is they put me in the Lionsgate studio and uh, they, they then had cuts of, 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 of Draper and how he, how he leads and manages. So they would show that cut and then they would come to me and say, okay, Keith, how would you evaluate that? You know, and we would talk about best practices and comparing that to, to Draper's leadership style. So probably was on there for about an hour or so. So that was basically my claim to fame. And uh, um, you're not going to see me in any of the live episodes, but I will say since doing this, and this is what, 10, it has to be 10 years ago at least, I think three people came up to me and said, did I see you on the box set of Mad Men? So as you can see, it got a lot of national recognition. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. So I, uh, I got a, I got a question for you, and I think, I think, uh, I think you're going to have a funny answer to this. But uh, when you think back to your earlier days as a sales leader coach, can you, uh, can you share an example of one of your experiences? I, I, I think, I think you might have one here that you can share with us. Right? Well, are, are we, are we talking about a good experience here, Stephen, or are we talking about a bad experience? Because I can certainly share we're both. Thinking, we're, we're thinking about the wall. Oh geez, I should have I should have never brought that up to you. Okay, well, this is <laughs> true story, everyone. I can't make this up if I tried. Um, by the way, it's probably one of the things I could have done better as a leader in hindsight. Uh, this was pre-coaching, so I'm going back 31 years ago. I owned another I owned another business. I had about 50 salespeople, and uh, <clears throat> all the salespeople would be working out of the office. And uh, had my senior salesperson, very open office in terms of allowing, you know, as an owner, you want to use my office if I'm not there, feel free, go in there, use my phone. You know, I'm here to support you any way I can. You need, you need my office to have a meeting, go for it. So one day um, um, uh, I come into the office and my top salesperson, Peter, is in the office. I've known Peter for, at that point, probably a good two years he's been working for us. And Peter is one of 16 children. Peter is 6'6", 325 pounds. He's not a little person. And in case you can't see me clearly, I am not 6'6", 325 pounds. So Peter was in my office. I go in there again, just show up, put myself down. I'm like, Peter, how do you want He goes, no, I need, I need five minutes, five minutes. I'm like, no worries, take your time, take your time. I go out, I'm, I'm doing some other stuff. Uh, I come back about 10, 15 minutes later, still on the phone. I said, Peter, I have, a call. I have a call I have to make. He's like, no, five more minutes, five more minutes. I'm like, okay, man, it's my office, but totally fine. If you need it, absolutely. Come in 10 minutes later. So I gave him a lot of buffer time here and didn't cut him off. Just kind of doing the, you know, the, the sign language thing. He says to the person, I got to go, hangs up the phone. It was like a cartoon. You know, those cartoons where you see like Wiley e. Coyote run through the wall and it has that picture of him still through the wall. Well, 
Peter took me and literally threw me through the wall. I can't make this stuff up. Physically threw me through the wall to the point where I literally saw I was in my partner's office. Clearly it was quarter inch plywood, drywall, let's talk about that. Uh, but still, you know, that's one of those things that I hope no one ever has to deal with. It's one of those fun facts about Keith. Hey, Keith got thrown through a wall one of the first times he was a manager in his new company. So uh, the uh, the irony about it is being, uh, uh, there's actually more to the story. We didn't fire him. You didn't, why not? It gets better. Ah, I left the best for last for you, Stephen. We didn't fire him. And this is a great lesson for everyone because he was one of our top producers. So what did we do? As, as upset as I was, and I'm sitting with my partners, as you can imagine, fairly upset. Guys, this is ridiculous. I mean, he literally, he didn't just hit me. He literally threw me through all you. My impression of this is still in there. Keith, we're not firing him. Like, what are you talking about? He says, you know how much money he's making us? I said, yeah, I do, but really guys? And I, and I had three other partners. Long story short, we kept him. Best salesperson, okay. it gets better. Six months later, he started turning, his attitude became a little toxic. No one wanted to work with him. We were getting collateral damage. Our good salespeople were leaving because of him. But what did we do? We got seduced by potential. You ever be seduced by the potential you see in someone? And then a month after that, not long after that we bought him a car we bought him a lexus i'm going years back so he can go out on appointments i'm sitting in the car in the passenger seat get this everyone i open the side compartment i pull out a business card it wasn't my business card it was peter's business card with his business and his name on it what he was doing is he was stealing all of our leads and selling them under his company so when do you fire your top salesperson? Unfortunately, I had to take the long lesson of what it means to be seduced by potential. When you have the evidence of change or not change, that's a sign right there. You never want to be held hostage by anyone. So anyway, that's the end of that story, Stephen. <laughs> the the uh, seduction of potential, right, Keith? You got that. Hey, so let, let's change gears for a second. What do you think goes into... Uh, the making of a great a great sales coach. Like what what in your mind? Share some thoughts with us around that. Mm. Uh, the first visceral reaction I had was everything started with characteristics that are internal versus skill set. So, I mean, you can have the greatest skill set. You can follow any framework, but if you don't have a deep sense of compassion for people, a deep sense of care a deep sense of not just support, unconditional support for every person you work with and interact with. If you don't have a deep sense of understanding that every single person is going through something and we need to be mindful and empathetic that when we ask for something, that person may be having a really bad day and we need to be mindful of that. We need to demonstrate that. We need to share um, that we understand how people are motivated and we respect that that mutual level of respect, those to me are the things that show up first as a coach. Now, beyond that, those core characteristics of who you are are always going to be more important than what you do. 
But if, if you are someone who cares deeply, and you know, the one thing I know about leaders is most leaders become leaders because they want to make an impact. That's what they want to do. They want to help other people succeed. And it sounds really good when I ask that question in a safe environment, when they're not getting 50 calls and texts and they don't have 17 Zoom meetings to, to, to attend. That idea gets thrown out the window real quick and it's very easy to resort back to being the chief problem solver, the directive manager. And that's when we move into a state of reaction. And if we don't stop and move back to becoming that coach and leading with questions rather than leading with answers, we're just going to perpetuate that global conundrum of having everyone be dependent on us. And then we wonder why we have no time to do anything we need to do other than solve everyone else's problems. So uh, it's being able to uh, park your ego. It's about being selfless. Uh, it's about putting others before yourself. Uh, it's about being really curious, you know, care, you know, to me, if you're curious, that means you care. You're not curious. You just don't care. So those are the things outside of just the framework that you need to be able to actually facilitate a coaching conversation. That's a great answer. You know, we, uh, before you joined, we had a little, uh, poll with our leaders around what makes a great coach. A lot of the things that you just brought up were words that were put into the poll. I love the word care that you mentioned care and like that, you know, I think you started off with that and uh, that makes such a difference. Right. So let's look at the other side of the coin. So what do you think is probably one of the biggest gaps that separates great coaches, Keith, from just, okay, coaches, what do you think that might be? Or what are a couple of things that you see? Again, um, the best coaches I know. Okay. I have a few things here to share. The best coaches I know, are modeling what's possible for others to achieve. The best coaches I know, um, and, and I take this to heart personally, uh, you can't take someone where you haven't been yourself. So I know some people, they may feel, well, Keith, that's not really true because if I just have the question, I can coach people. And that's true. But at some point, people don't just need a coach asking questions. They need an advisor. They need a subject matter expert. They need a trainer. And as leaders and managers, we need to understand we have to wear all of these hats and know which hat to put on when. The only way leaders know what hat to wear, it always starts with coaching. Because when you seek to understand what's going on and you uncover that gap with that person, you'll know very quickly, oh, this is a training gap. Oh, this is a knowledge gap. Oh, this is a blind spot for them. Oh, they're making an assumption. But you won't know that unless you start leveraging the coaching framework, like my coaching framework, the leads framework, to really uncover what's really going on so that you're finding that one gap that could truly move that needle exponentially uh, to, to achieve greater success. So, again, being a model, I, again, I, I, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there. <laughs> there's a reason why most coaches out there that have their own practice make less than $40,000 a year. And... Uh, I feel very blessed. I've, I've never really had to do any outbound marketing. You know, I, I write from my heart. I, I put out there what I feel people needs for them to be successful, not only as a, a manager, as a leader or a salesperson, but as a human being. Um, and as a result, that I've attracted great clients back. And I feel if you're coaching someone on self-care, well, that means you need to take care of yourself. If you're coaching someone on sales, it means you have to have pretty good sales acumen. 
If you're coaching someone on coaching, that means you need to be modeling coaching. If you're coaching someone on relationships or finance, doesn't mean you have to have the perfect relationship, but you have to have a good sense of an experience of what that looks like. Again, hard to coach people to a place you haven't been yourself. So I hope that gives you a couple of nuggets there. Yeah, and, and by the way, your blogs on LinkedIn are just top notch. So if you oh, guys are thanks. following Keith on LinkedIn, highly suggest you you follow him. He's uh, you've got some great content out Excellent. there. So and by the way, if if uh, if we're not connected, send me an invite so we can't connect. Okay. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, Elisa, I know you had a few questions for Keith. Do you want to jump in? Absolutely, Keith. Great to see you again. You Thanks for well. joining us. My pleasure. Um, just to build on some of the questions that Steve's already asked you, you know, would you mind sharing with us some of your non-negotiables when it comes to coaching? Mm -hmm. Integrity, core values, personal vision. So let me break that down. Um, how can you be a coach if you're not someone who lives in integrity? Now, keep in mind, integrity doesn't always mean honesty. It means what you do to make yourself whole and complete. So, which is why I talk about values. You know, what are your core values? Um, to me, my personal core values, one of them is hopefully doing what I'm doing with you now, which is making an impact. Other core values, family, my children, adventure, music. Um, if you saw behind the office here, you'd see my whole guitars. You can do that next time. Uh, uh, value travel, connection, love. Um, making a difference, uh, self-care. These are all these are all my core values. And if you're not living your values, in essence, you're out of your own integrity and you will feel off. And how do you then uncover your values? Well, to me, again, I, I have a very clear vision of, of who I am, who I want to continue to be, and how I want my life to look. If you ask most people to send you what their personal vision is written down, you're not going to get one. Because most people, number one, don't even know what a personal vision is. Number two, they, they don't ne never took the time to write one down. So what, where else do coaches come from? Exceptional, you know, to me, exemplary coaches come from a place of abundance rather than scarcity. Great leaders come from a place of abundance rather than scarcity. It saddens me, and I apologize for getting off point here, Lisa. Lisa it, it saddens me when I was, when I was, um, I've seen over and over again the articles that are coming out over the last six months how, how um, forget about consumer confidence, CEO confidence is at an all-time low. Well, what I'm hearing though is so you have CEOs that believe that they can't basically do their job or their people can't do their job. But the last time I checked, we don't get tested on our good days. We get tested on our challenging days. That's why they call them challenging days. And I find it very interesting that as where, where before, oh, everything was going great. And all of a sudden, this is when we're challenged and CEO confidence is an all-time low. Disengagement is up to 74%. And I just did a survey, and I'm happy to share it with everyone, of now that HODAP had over 3,000 responses. And the, and the question was, now that you're working remotely, what are you spending most of your time doing or feeling? First response, virtual meetings, remote meetings. Second response, self-care, life balance. Third response, feeling alone, disconnected, unsupported. Fourth response, client retention, service, prospecting. Which one do you think rose to the top? Feeling disconnected, feeling unsupported, feeling alone. 40, excuse me, 44%. 44% of people 
Okay, now I'm sure if I continued that survey, it would still share the same results. But I found it interesting, they have 44%, you have that many people that are fully disengaged and unhappy at work. But yet you have around 22% of people, more people spending time with self-care. Meetings and prospecting were the lowest. Disengagement was the highest. So how, how do I interpret that? Managers and leaders, they're not coaching on a good day and they're certainly not coaching on a bad day. No, I appreciate that. And I think, you know, your points there um, are a perfect segue into something I really wanted to just get your input and your thoughts on, your perspective, um, which is, you know, coaching specifically in a COVID environment, right? Like we're all living in it right now. Our people are going through it. Um, and how have you seen that evolve or even not evolve um, in the clients that you're working with, given the levels of stress that leaders and their teams are faced with on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, Perfect segue. Thank you for that. It's, it's, we've talked in the past about, you know, I, I, and I'm actually in the process of writing about this. Um, still ideas are still percolating, but basically it's about bringing love back into organizations or bringing love into organizations. Now, before anyone here turns off, you know, their screen and runs away because I use the L word in corporate America. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about this. You know, we use the word love when we say, oh, I love that movie. I love my meal. I love my friends. I love my client. I love my boss. I love my job. So love is already there. Okay, now where, where am I bringing this to? Okay, managers are now having conversations they've never had before. For example, we're, how do you manage in this environment, okay? How do you manage when, when everyone is living in a state of uncertainty and doubt and fear in this pandemic? Well, managers aren't, you think, Matt, are you guys? No, and no, no, not pointing any leaders here, but managers aren't getting the coaching they need from their manager. Their managers aren't getting the coaching they need from their senior VPs. Their senior VPs aren't getting the coaching they need. It starts from the top. So the, the problem is, is that as a senior leader, if I'm not getting good coaching, it's going to be very difficult for me to recognize when other people need it and what they need. So take, the, take this perfect example of now, everyone is now remote, okay? 44% of most companies before this pandemic didn't even allow remote working. So now you have everyone working remotely, majority of people never worked remotely before and let's be clear no one's ever even been trained how to work remotely and managers inclusive of not being trained how to work remotely have never been trained how to coach remotely forgetting about even coaching on a good day so what are the conversations that need to happen so imagine this right so there you are you're having a one-on-one -on -one, uh with one of your with one of your sales people one of your direct reports and we're having a zoom meeting and uh, you're sitting there in your office right and and the other person's there they're in their kitchen they look miserable. They look like they haven't slept in days. They're holding their baby who's crying, okay? Behind them, you could see their office is in shambles. Are you really gonna tell me, uh-oh, I can't talk about that, I'll get in trouble with HR. The conversations are gonna change everyone. HR needs to change, okay? Sales disablement and inhuman resources need to upgrade and evolve to align with what's going on today. And that's why I say you bring love back into the formula. How can you not connect with people on a deeper personal level? You're literally in their home. 
So, you know, these are the deeper conversations managers have never had. They're scared to have. But at least you can start with this one HR compliant conversation, which is just simply talking about, hey, what I want for you is to be successful. I know this has been a massive change. Most of us have never gone through anything like this before, let alone now working at home, which presents a whole slew of other problems. I want to make sure I'm being the best leader and coach I can be for you and was hoping we can have a conversation around what I can do to best support you around reaching your goals. Okay, stop. Now that's enrollment. Everyone probably familiar with that if you read my book. Now I've set intention. The person knows my positive intent. Now I would move into the questions that no managers are asking. By the way, I have this for everyone. I will send this email. I'm going to make a note. I have this whole template. So you don't have to worry about writing everything down, including the questions. But have you been asked these questions or have you asked these questions such as, so what did you find difficult that you didn't think was going to be difficult? What did you find easy that you thought would be actually more challenging? How are you best managing your day to ensure you're getting everything done at work while honoring your personal priorities? How are you turning off work at home so you can be present with your significant other, your family, the people you care about. What's the best way for us to communicate in this, in this new environment? How often would you like me to stay in touch and connect with you? What's the best communication platform you'd like to use? These are just a handful of questions. And by the way, many of you can probably sense some of these questions are, if not all of them, are questions you probably want to ask your customers and clients as well because they're human and they're going through the same thing and what an amazing opportunity for you to connect with your customers on a deeper level as well as your direct reports thank you that's awesome and we appreciate you sending us those questions i already made a note and feel free to hold me accountable i, I just did you know <laughs> I thank you in advance for sending us those questions. <laughs> um, Steve, I think we were going to um, open it up, right? So I'll hand it back to you. Um, but Keith, thanks again. Of course. Speaking of questions, yeah, perfect segue into let's open up to the group. Any questions that you guys would like to ask uh, Mr. Rosen? Come on, guys. This is when you have an opportunity to make the book come alive. Let's do this. Hey, hey, Keith, I'll start. It's Jim. How are you, pal? Hey, Jim. So when last we spoke, you were going to tee it up over the weekend. I'm not sure how you hit them, but I'm hoping you hit them straight. Is that fair? Get, of course. Did you get some down the fairway? <laughs> you would be surprised. I actually had a really good game until the next day, and I'm like, I can't move. And my wife's like, you've been playing golf three times a week and biking 20 miles five times a week. You're 53. You think you might be pushing your body? And my wife knows, she's like, hey, honey, I'm either all in or all out. That's just how I am. That's why I get along with managers and A-type people so well. <laughs> so I'll give that. That is good. I'll give you a, uh, I'll give you a lob question just real quick as folks yeah. are sort of formulating. But I was looking at your cover the other day on your book, and we were talking about it. And we saw it, and I'm like, why the heck is his, all his O's red? And then, and then Travis said, hey, no, no, there's like X's in there. It's like the X's and O's, like a, like a playbook kind of thing, right? And so – I'm curious, just generally, and not not anything to do with coaching, but like, is that your is that your design? Did somebody else come up with that? Like, I love that. I love that sort of cover right there. Well, Jim, first of all, everything has a story, right? Uh, 
the the there is a story behind this. So you're spot on, Travis, spot on. That was all about playbook, X's and O's, trying to bring in the whole coaching um, theme, the thematic element into the cover. There's one little problem I realized once I started traveling internationally to six continents and over 75 countries is that doesn't translate overseas. Those are football plays. Kind of don't play football outside of the United States. So I'll, I'll vividly remember being in Brazil or being in being even in, in uh, the UK or in Ireland. At the end of the day, people get the book and they're like, Keith, you know, your book is really good. But what are the X's and O's? Are they hugs and kisses? I'm like, no, it, uh, it's, it's a myopic U.S. thing. And, you know, it just showed me right then and there. And I, and I love that lesson that I got the first time someone said that to me when I was in Ireland. I'm like, wow. The, the United States is not the center of the world. And I wrote this with a myopic point of view, which is why my last book, Sales Leadership, has about 50 stories from all the experiences I had traveling in different countries. So um, that, that was a good wake up call. And as you know, on my, my new cover, it's very simple. It's black and red. It's black and red. That's it. <laughs> Thank you for the story. I appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, be, cough, be, be careful what you ask for, Jim. I can pontificate for another hour. <laughs> Sorry, got a question for you. Yes, please. Yeah, so um, so in your book, one of the things that was impactful for uh, for me um, in your book, um, sales leadership, uh, was or not sales leadership, but the um, sales people and the sales champion was the concept of push versus pull motivation, and it was really really great how you laid that out. I was wondering if you could talk to the group a little bit about that concept. Sure, sure. Um, um, in, in ter how, how deep do you want me to get in terms of specificity around that? Um, let's go. Let's go medium. Okay. Okay. Cool. Great. Great. So, so I, I, I know you're a deep thinker. So no, George, I appreciate that. So, uh, and feel free to just cut me off at any point in time. Uh, so, so let's just let's just talk about assumptions for a second because I think that's where really where it comes down to. When, when managers and leaders go into an organization and now you have a team, I'll just, I'll just give, put out a question for you to self-reflect on. And I say the universal you hear is, how many of you truly know what motivates your peers, your manager, and your direct reports because you asked them and they told you? You don't have to raise your hand and you don't have to answer the question. I already know the answer. Okay. The problem is, as leaders, we often assume what motivates our people, okay? And we often assume what motivates them is based on what? What motivates us? There's another example of coaching in our own image. So I, and I remember the story when I was in Dubai, I was having this conversation about how to tap into people's individuality. And rather than make assumptions that every salesperson is coin operated, you need to ask the questions. So I was sharing this conversation with the team in Dubai and they started laughing and I stopped. They said, hey, guys, you know, I'm glad I'm entertaining you. But was there something specifically that I said that is either off or funny? They said, no, no, no Keith, basically what you just said, um, which was running around and pointing at our salespeople and saying, don't you want to make more money? Don't you want to make more money? Don't you want to make more money? Don't you want to get that promotion? That's exactly what we do all day. And it doesn't work. Shocker. So we cannot coach and, and, and inspire in our own image. We need to uncover what truly inspires people internally themselves. So when, when, when um, 
when, for example, I ask managers, tell me about your job, and they say, oh, Keith, I'm a manager, I manage 10 people. No, you don't. You don't manage 10 people. You manage 10 individuals who happen to share the same job function. It's a subtle distinction, but a critical one. Because if you're saying, well, I manage 10 salespeople, that ensues that you're managing everyone the same way, and chances are it's the way you like to be managed. And then we wonder why we get resistance, pushback, and, and we start um, seeing that trust is eroded. What's That's the push strategy. It's like pushing a boulder uphill. You stop, it'll roll right down because we never tapped into people's internal motivation. Now turn that around. How do you do it? In pure simplicity, coach. When in doubt, ask the question. And this is another great opportunity for enrollment. Stephen, you may want to make a note. I have another great template to share with everyone on actually how to tap into people's individuality. And I have a great exercise that I'm also going to share with everyone on, 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 on how to actually do so. It's something that I would actually implore all of you to do as well. So another resource I'll be sending everyone. Uh, when it comes to tapping individuality, how many times have you asked a very simple question? What motivates you? What gets you up at, out of bed every day? What do you love about your job most? What would you love to change about your job if you could? What would you love to do more of each day? Here's one of my favorite questions. If you didn't have to work, what would you do with your time? I'm going to be sending you all of these questions. Managers don't ask them and they fill them in with assumptions. And then we wonder why there's 74% disengagement in the workforce. And we wonder why, oh, Keith, it's so hard to manage and motivate people. It's because we're trying to guess what motivates them. We're banging our head against the wall, trying to figure out what motivates them and how to hold them accountable. When the answer is, you're asking the wrong person. Manage to keep, how do I hold people accountable? How do I motivate them? Don't ask yourself, ask them. You know, how can I support you? What motivates you? What can I do to be your accountability partner and hold you accountable in a way that sounds supportive? How would you like me to follow up with you if you don't follow through with the commitments you make? What would be a good way to bring this up? Look what I just did. I'm not guessing how to hold people accountable for, and I'm not saying, oh my gosh, I don't want to over, I don't want to, you know, micromanage them, but I don't want to give them too much rope to hang themselves. You ask the questions. So if you want to uncover how people like to be motivated and use that pull structure, let them tell you. And for those of you, again, who read the book, that wanting for statement now becomes exponentially more powerful. Now it's not just what I want for you is to be more successful. Now it's what I want for you is to be able to take that vacation you said it was important to you and your family. What I want for you is to be able to save um, for your children's education. What I want for you is to be able to afford that house you said you want to put a down payment on. What I want for you is to have more peace of mind at home and have more balance that you said you're struggling with creating. The only way you could say those things is if they tell them to you. Now you're connecting with people on a much deeper level. And by the way, one final point on that, and George, thanks for bringing this up because it's so essential. Don't just ask these questions once. Don't think you just ask them during the interview process. This is something you want to ask at least, especially now, I'd probably say at least twice a year, at least twice a year, because we have never experienced such accelerated change than we have this year, okay? Normally things move fast on a good day. Life changes, people change. Kids get older, kids go to school, people have children, people's children leave the house, family gets older, parents get older, financial situations change. All these things have an impact on people's motivations and values. We need to keep our finger on the pulse of that if you truly want to keep your team performing like champions. Does that help, George?
That was, that was fantastic. Thank you. Yo, you got it. My pleasure. Come on, guys. I'm just warming up. What do we got? Who's, who's, who's next? Hey, Keith. How are you? It's Raul. Hey, Raul. Hey, I, uh, I watched one of your blogs that talked about doing things that make you feel uncomfortable. Uh, ah. I'll, I'll go back to the to the survey and again I'll send it to everyone I over 3,000 people responded to the survey what are you spending now that you're working remotely what are you spending most of your time doing or, or, or feeling prospecting was 13% my friend 13% so let's talk about what salespeople really need to be doing and why aren't they prospecting out there so this is about getting uncomfortable how many salespeople do you know are acutely masterful at presenting prospecting via zoom via any remote you know video platform okay we had to get comfortable with this so you know the sense of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is this if you're doing stuff that you did yesterday you're not you're not changing anything if you're managing the people the same way you did yesterday come on you, you know the answer you're gonna get the same results as before which I believe everyone knows the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I like to add my definition of futility to that, which is knowing the definition of insanity and still not doing anything about it. So we can keep doing the same thing over and over again. We're staying in our comfort zone. But now if you do something different, something that's outside of um, something you're used to doing, whether it's new knowledge acquisition, whether it's having a different conversation, whether it's coaching, whether it's enrolling someone, whether it's leveraging the power of Zoom and, and, and presenting for the first time, these things you might be uncomfortable doing, prospecting in this new era, maybe it's certainly different, it's uncomfortable for salespeople on a good day to prospect. But here's the thing, if you're doing things that are uncomfortable, you're going to by default produce a new and better result, which is why we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Did I answer your question, Raul? Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Oh, and for, for example, un uncomfortable for me, in case anyone wants to know, uh, uh, I mentioned before I was on a, um, a program before uh, delivering a three-hour Zoom program. As you can imagine how, got to keep that really interactive. During the process, I get a text from my wife. Oh, by the way, massive storm. I don't know if anyone here lives in New York. Massive storm just blew by. I'm getting texts from my friends. Another one, tree knocked down, tree knocked down, can't get through my street. My wife texts me, this is, well, let's see, it's four o'clock now, probably at, I was uh, around two o'clock. Um, she texts me, she says, you know that really big tree we have in our backyard? It's now on the side of our house and smashed our brand new um, uh, compressor that we just got for our um, uh air conditioning and fell so far on the side of my lawn that it split my cherry blossom. So, um, yeah, luckily I thought the power was going to go. Everyone, I, for some reason, I think I'm the only one on my block that has power. So, but my commitment was still to be with you guys. Just want to let you know. So if you want to know about being uncomfortable right now, I'm probably going to be really uncomfortable when I go outside and see what I haven't seen yet. I hate to keep you too much longer, Keith, if you got to get to that. No, I, look, hey, man, you really think I want to go see what's out there? I'd much rather be working and coaching with you guys. So I, I'm good for another hour if you'd like. I'm just kidding. 
But let's certainly, if, if, if there's any other questions, I certainly want to make sure uh, I can feel them. I did want to ask you one question I saw on your uh, on one of your blogs recently. You mentioned something about, like, maybe you got this feedback from leaders about, like, hey, since we're, you know, really, really trying to drive results right now, maybe we should just resort to telling mm -hmm. our folks what to do instead of coaching them. That just really, like, that hit home a lot, like, can you explain that a little bit more? Maybe just touch touch on that real quickly. That was uh, that was very interesting to read. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I can't. I wrote this. It, I'm not going to say it's a new concept. Um, I wrote an article called "You Know You're Either One Degree Away from a Sale or a Sale Slump," and, I, and again, I'll share that with everyone. It's on my blog. Uh, and basically, the concept is this: um, managers are so reactive today, and have quite frankly, you know, they're not getting the guidance from their senior leadership. Everyone is just trying to make sense of what's going on in the world, personally, professionally, trying to manage our team, trying to figure out how to even support our team, people at home. We're all in the state of uncertainty. So the point, and, and I share this, the story is back in uh, 2014, I don't know if for any of you who, who remember, even if live in Atlanta, I'm sure you do. There was, a, it was a horrific storm. People died. Um, uh, families were stranded on the highway all night. There was over 13 or $15 million of damage that one night. Uh, people slept in their cars. Uh, employees slept at CVS. Students were stranded at schools. People, parents couldn't pick up their students. They were sleeping in schools with the teachers. I mean, it was an absolute horrific event. What's my point? My point of one degree is this. Water freezes at 34 degrees Fahrenheit, zero degrees Celsius. If it was one degree warmer, that horrific situation would have never have happened. Not 50 different steps, not a thousand different steps, one degree. One degree would have changed everything for millions of people. Now think about your day. Think about why managers are reacting and saying, you know what, maybe I shouldn't coach. Maybe, you know what, we need results even faster than before. We got furloughs, we got layoffs. You know, who wants to lay anyone off? Um, maybe this is a time we just got to start telling people what to do and we'll pick up coaching later. It could be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life because managers, if they're saying that, they were never, ever coaching. This is not the time to stop. This is the time to continue coaching. This is the time to not move into fear and go directed. This is the time to focus on what can be possible and what can be created. Not what was, but what can be. That's all about the language of enrollment and what leaders have the power to do to influence their culture. So when I write about this, this in this article, it's just one degree. Let me put it in perspective. You're coaching someone rather than make an assumption, validate it. Ask that one additional question. When you're prospecting or cold calling or you're observing your people cold call prospect and they're having a discovery call, what's that additional question, that one question that would have made the difference of exposing an initial objection or not and courting that wrong prospect all the way through your sales cycle where the exponential cost is if you ask that question, you would have been able to disqualify them and focus on the prospects that are promising and the ones who want to work with you. One degree, one more set, one more walk outside, one more call to a parent, one more I love you to a friend or a family member. One degree, one degree can change everything.
And if there's anything that I would hope for everyone to leave with is what's that just one thing? If you look at your day personally and professionally, that one thing that you can do that compounded over time would have an exponential impact on your life and the lives of others. You know, that's okay. Point is, this is the time to coach. You guys, you're leaders. This is a testament to the commitment that you have to the organization and they have to you that I am here and that you are here. I admire all of you for being here. I admire the commitment you have to yourself, to your company, to the people you're working with, I'm sure to your families. And, and it's truly my pleasure and honor to be able to work with you.